0: It is 10.04 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 14th day of July, 2023. This is episode 755 of Bitcoin and Ripple Labs. We're going to have to, yes, we're going to have to talk about it. (laughs) You don't want to talk about it. I'm not thrilled about talking about it, but we're going to have to talk about it. Why? Because it's in the news. And, yeah, it's going to start a shitstorm of shitcoinery all over again if you don't know what I'm talking about let's just do this one from Jody Godoy out of Reuters <clears throat> Ripple Labs notches landmark win in SEC case over XRP currency uh you know I I hate the uh uh the, oh god the the headline here because it's a bit misleading uh landmark win they also got ripple labs also got hosed on part of this discussion hopefully reuters will make that evident but there's there's no guarantee so let's do it <clears throat> the ripple labs did not violate federal securities law by selling its xrp token on public exchanges a U.S. judge ruled on Thursday a landmark legal victory for the cryptocurrency industry. It's not that sent the value of XRP soaring. XRP was up 75% by late afternoon on Thursday. The ruling by U.S. District Judge Annalisa Torres was the first win for a cryptocurrency company in a case brought by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, though it also did give the SEC a partial victory. Okay. Mm-hmm. While the decision is specific to the facts of the case, it will likely provide ammunition for other crypto firms battling the SEC over whether their products fall under the regulator's jurisdiction. An SEC spokesperson said that the agency was pleased with part of the ruling in which the judge held that Ripple did violate federal securities law by selling XRP directly to sophisticated investors. It is possible for the ruling to be appealed once the final judgment is issued or if the judge allows it before then. The SEC spokesperson said that the regulator was reviewing the decision. Ripple chief executive Brad Garlinghouse, in an interview, called the ruling a huge win for Ripple, but more importantly, for the industry overall in the United States. Coinbase, the largest U.S. crypto exchange, said that it would again allow trading of XRP on its platform. Quote, we've read Judge Torres' thoughtful decision. We've carefully reviewed our analyses. It's time to relist, Coinbase, Ch- Coinbase Chief Legal Officer Paul Gruel said on Twitter. <coughs> Pausing to remind you that it's not just Coinbase that is relisting this absolute pile of horseshit. Uh, reading just a bit from Decrypt uh, on the same ruling Alice Key's headline is KrakenCrypto.com joined Coinbase in relisting XRP after court ruling. So Kraken has failed miserably yet one more time. You know, this is Kraken. Every once in a while, I keep holding out hope that they'll do the right thing, but they continuously don't. They don't do the right thing. Kraken is relisting Ripple. If you have any of your shit on Kraken, <clears throat> get it off. The you know, and crypto.com. I, I would have never recommended crypto.com in the first place, but this is sort of the last this is this was the last straw for me and Kraken. I'm never gonna hold out hope for Kraken ever, ever, ever again. Anyway, continuing on. The SEC had accused the company and its current former chief executives of conducting a $1.3 billion unregistered securities offering by selling XRP, which Ripple's founders created in 2012. The case has been closely watched in the cryptocurrency industry, which disputes the SEC's assertion that the vast majority of crypto tokens are securities and subject to its strict investor protection rules. The agency has brought more than 100 enforcement crypto actions claiming various tokens are securities, but many of those have ended in settlements. In the few cases that have gone to court, judges have agreed with the SEC that the crypto assets at issue were securities, which, unlike assets such as commodities are strictly regulated, must be registered with the SEC by their issuer and require detailed disclosures to inform investors of potential risks. Torres ruled that Ripple's XRP sales on public cryptocurrency exchanges were not offers of securities under the law. Because purchasers did not have a reasonable expectation of profit tied to Ripple's efforts. Those sales were blind bid ask transactions, she said, in which buyers could not have known if their payments of money went to Ripple or any other seller of XRP. Oh, God, this is just going to create an absolute shitstorm in shitcoins. Torres applied a U.S. Supreme Court case that said, quote, an investment of money in a common enterprise with profits to come solely from the efforts of others is a kind of security called an investment contract. XRP sales on cryptocurrency platforms by Garlinghouse and co-founder and former CEO Chris Larson and other distributions, including compensation to employees, also did not involve securities, Torres ruled. The SEC did win a partial victory as Torres found that the company's $728.9 million of XRP sales to hedge funds and other sophisticated buyers amounted to unregistered sales of securities. Torres ruled that Ripple's marketing aimed at institutional investors made clear the company was pitching a speculative value proposition for XRP that depended on company efforts to develop the blockchain infrastructure behind the digital asset. She said a jury must decide whether Garlinghouse and Larson aided the company's violation of law and that the defendants cannot argue at trial that they lacked fair notice that XRP was a cryptocurrency. Quote, the law does not require the SEC to warn all potential violators on an individual or industry level, she said. Ooh, SEC is going to fight back on that little ditty, I think. Gary DeWall, an attorney at Catton mucin Rosenman, said the ruling should help Coinbase in fighting its own SEC case. The market reaction indicates the ruling is a tremendous event for the industry, he said. Both the Ripple and Coinbase cases focus on registration requirements and whether certain digital assets are securities under U.S. law. The crypto industry has called for legislation to provide clear rules for tokens, and the ruling brought new calls for Congress to clarify the status of digital assets. House of Representatives Majority Whip Tom Emmer in a post on Twitter said the ruling established that, quote, a token is separate and distinct from an investment contract it may or may not be part of. Now, let's make it law, he said. Reporting by Jody Godoy and Chris Prittance in New York and Tom Halls in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Editing by she's no more. That's more about the story. Okay. So there was a win and a loss for the guys over at Ripple. All right, so apparently you can sell unregistered securities at retail level, but you can't do it if you're selling it to a sophisticated investor such as a manager of a hedge fund. This makes no sense at all. I expect that the SEC will appeal the <clears throat> the ruling in which the Judge Torres said that, hey, it's, you know, yeah, it's okay. You can put it on an exchange. You can sell it to retail, even though you're going to get all these guys wrecked. I I don't think that that's kind of what the spirit of the Howey test was supposed to do. But hey, I'm not a U.S. federal judge, so we'll have to wait and see. But I fully expect the SEC to appeal that part of the decision. Now on to another shitstorm, Celsius. You're going to love this one. Former Celsius CEO has been arrested. And the company agrees to pay $4.7 billion as a settlement. $4.7 billion. That's a lot of money for this particular company, and we'll find out why here in a second. Uh, Rohan Goswami is writing this one for CNBC. Former Celsius CEO Alex Mashinsky was arrested on Thursday on federal securities fraud charges as the, get this, as the bankrupt Crypto exchange agreed to pay $4.7 billion settlement with the Federal Trade Commission. Now, I'm pausing just to take a breath. You're bankrupt, but you got $4.7 billion in cash. In cash, not your balance sheet that suggests that your liabilities and your debts are part of your assets. No, 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 no. If you're going to pay a fine to the Federal Trade Commission, it's in cash. Now, I don't think that they're actually going to describe that in this news piece, and there may be something that I'm clearly wrong about, but this doesn't sound to me at all like a bankrupt company. Anyway, Celsius and Mashinsky were also sued by the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in complaints accusing them of scheming to defraud investors out of billions. Mashinsky pleaded not guilty in Manhattan federal court where he is charged with securities, commodities, and wire fraud as well as various securities manipulation and wire fraud charges if convicted Mashinsky and co-defendant Ronnie Cohen-Pavan faced decades in prison, and I'm sure they went out to the nearest Starbucks to celebrate, whatever. Celsius settlement is one of the largest in FTC's history, close to the record $5 billion fine levied against Meta in 2019, and highlights what the FTC described as repeated deceptions by Celsius and Mashinsky. The settlement, announced by the FTC, will not be paid until the company is able to return what remains of customer assets in bankruptcy proceedings. The Office of U.S. Attorney Damien Williams said in charging, a charging document that Mashinsky misrepresented, among other things, the safety of Celsius's yield generating activity, Celsius's profitability, the long term sustainability of Celsius's high reward rates, and the risks associated with depositing crypto assets at Celsius. The current SEC proceedings allege that Celsius and Mashinsky misled investors and fraudulently manipulated the price of Celsius's exchange token, S or CEL. The SEC has also alleged that they misrepresented the company's central business model and the risks to investors by allegedly claiming Celsius did not engage in risky trading and paid most but not all of the company's revenue over to investors. None of these claims, the SEC alleged, were true. Celsius had allegedly experienced, for example, hundreds of million dollars worth of defaults on its institutional loans. Both the charging documents from New York federal prosecutors and the SEC complaint also describe Celsius' exchange token as a security. The definition of a security and the SEC's oversight over crypto markets has been hotly contested by other crypto exchanges in recent months. Quote, Alex vehemently denies the allegations brought here today. Mashinsky's counsel, Jonathan O-Ring, told CNBC, quote, he looks forward to vigorously defending himself in court against these baseless charges. Uh, put a tie on the suit speak. Earlier this year, New York prosecutors accused Mashinsky of orchestrating a $20 billion fraud against investors. CNBC previously reported on pervasive, years-long issues that plagued the crypto exchange well before it filed for bankruptcy back in 2022. So we got a bankrupt company that's sitting on all manner of cash, apparently, so that they can pay pay everything out to <clears throat> their investors first and then uh, i guess they're going to pay the rest of it to the ftc i don't know the whole thing sounds like a wash but <clears throat> with the ripple ruling what kind of chicanery are we going to see when this thing goes to court cuz it'll be a couple of years before we figure out what the hell happens with with this little this little cat and mouse game but it doesn't it doesn't look good for you know people that would be Oh, concluded to be quote unquote investors, right? It's the get ready for alt season is what all this is telling me. Um I don't know what to tell you other than you buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin. Don't get into any of this stuff. Just be and there's gonna be it's it's already started, by the way, but there are there are going to be and there already are many, many people that are singing the praises of Ripple and XRP and that It's great. And then Celsius will probably come back online in a couple of years. And and Coinbase and Kraken will be the first fucking exchanges to put that shitcoin back. But the whole thing has supercharged the shitcoin slash altcoin market. So be aware what's coming. What's coming is this multiple influencers telling you to buy some shitcoin. It's going to be 2017 all over again. And if you're not careful, you're going to lose your money again. If you just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin, you can avoid all this bullshit. If you're going to try to trade the altcoin market to the upside and then cut and run at the very tippy top directly into Bitcoin, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You will not time it. Because you're not awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you try to do that after three days, you will be put into an insane asylum. Uh, Trust me, you don't want to go through sleep deprivation. And there's no amount of alarms that you can set that will wake you up when it's time to cut and run. You're not going to win the trading game on the new altcoin season that has now just been birthed by Judge Torres. I'm just saying, you don't have to believe me. But I honestly suggest that, that you listen to what I'm saying and, and trust that this is all, because it's all happened before and it's all going to happen again and it started yesterday. All right. U.S. Representative Torres, another Torres, demanded investigation of SEC deal with Prometheum. David Coin Cointelegraph, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission could be investigated for a haphazard and heavy-handed approach to digital assets, or more specifically, for its sweetheart deal with crypto platform Prometheum. On July the 13th, U.S. Representative Richie Torres filed request to the SEC's Inspector General, Deborah Jeffrey, and the Government Accountability Office's Comptroller General, Gene Dodaro. In the letters published by Torres on Twitter, he writes, "Quote: The SEC refuses to bring even the barest amount of Clarity to the application of securities laws to digital assets. Its preferred means of communicating is neither rule nor guidance but enforcement. End quote. Torres emphasized the SEC's May action to grant a special broker purpose dealer or SPBD license to Prometheum, a digital assets platform created in 2017, the shitcoin season, by two U.S. financial attorneys. According to Torres, Prometheum appears to be nothing more than a Potemkin platform operating as a timely talking point for crypto critics rather than a true trading platform for crypto customers. He calls for an examination of both the SEC's failure to create a workable process for registering digital asset platforms and the unusual backdoor deal for Prometheum. Prometheum recently became a public enemy in the crypto industry and Torres Demand for investigation is not the first. The company was thrust into the spotlight after its co-founder, Aaron Kaplan, testified before Congress in June. The problem seems to be Kaplan's general support for the SEC's regulatory strategy under current securities laws. Immediately after the hearing, theories about Prometheum started swirling on Twitter, emphasizing its possible ties to Chinese investors. On June the 15th, the Blockchain Association filed a request with the SEC seeking information about the company. In July, six U.S. lawmakers called on the SEC to investigate Prometheum's ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, yay. So there was a backdoor deal with Prometheum, and the SEC gave them basically a special license. And it turns out that it looks like that Prometheum is just as, about as fake as it can get. Ladies and gentlemen, I have absolutely no faith whatsoever in the SEC being able to do the right thing or the wrong thing. It's amazing to watch Gary Gensler fumble footballs from one end of the fucking field to the other. This is ridiculous. It's no wonder that there are lawmakers out there that, that want his ass fired. But is it just Gary Gensler? Of course not. It's the whole damn structure of the SEC. There's no way one guy is going to be able to guide something as large as the SEC and make sure that it's doing every single thing his way. But still, his way sucks. So he really does have to go. But this is its just one shit show after another. And again, this is dumping fuel on the new altcoin frenzy fire that is starting to burn. Don't get anywhere close to that dumpster fire. I'm warning you now, don't do it. Now, Sam Altman's WorldCoin, I'm telling you, man, we just opened the gates of what we thought was kind of closed after, oh, I don't know, we're getting in 2018, 2019, not a whole lot of altcoins and stuff, but now, now not only will the old zombie coins be relisted, come back to life, steal people's money, but now there's going to be a whole shitload more brand new coins. And while WorldCoin is one of the older coins, this entire thing, there, I, I, I guarantee you, there's already co-working spaces that are being rented out by people in cheap suits who want to steal your money. But Tom Mitchell Hill gets us into this Worldcoin shit from Coin Telegraph. Sam Altman's Worldcoin passes 2 million signups after months of touring. I feel sorry for those 2 million people. Worldcoin, a cryptocurrency and digital identification project if you weren't aware of that, has seen over 2 million users sign up for its global identity protocol dubbed World ID. According to a July 13th statement, the World ID project, still in beta testing, passed 2 million in less than half the time it took to reach its first million. In a nutshell, World ID aims to offer a global digital passport that users can store on their phones to prove their identity while using zero knowledge proofs to protect their privacy. It won't. To sign up for the World ID program and receive a digital passport, individuals must visit an orb to scan one of their eyeballs. This creates a unique iris hash used to verify their uniqueness. Users who successfully upload their sensitive biometric data are paid for their efforts in a self-titled cryptocurrency known as WorldCoin. WorldCoin credited its sign-up rush to recent mul- a recent multi-city tour that spanned across Barcelona, Berlin, and Tokyo. The tour averaged forty thousand new verified World ID members every week. WorldCoin anticipates that these five-pound Chrome eye scanning devices known as orbs will become increasingly available worldwide over the next several months due to an uptick in demand. Quote, additionally, just as more people are signing up, a growing number of apps and services are making use of the World ID protocol, End quote. It also noted that other protocols, including Octa's AuthO and Talent Protocol have begun to use World ID and Worldcoin in their respective onboarding procedures. On May the 8th, the project launched the World app, a gas-free crypto wallet for verified humans that works on Android and iOS operating systems. Roughly 2 weeks later on May the 25th, Worldcoin raised $115 million in a Series C funding round to support the further rollout of its World ID program. Stay away from this thing. If you see anybody with an orb, you have a choice. There's only two choices. One is to walk away. Two is to go to the person holding the orb, take their orb, and smash it onto the ground. Now, I don't normally recommend destruction of property, but in this particular case, these things are evil. There's 100% evil. You don't want to have nothing to do with scanning your iris yeah i get it you're you're photographed everywhere you go hundreds and thousands of times a day i get it but dude you gotta you gotta fight back somewhere and having a high definition snapshot of your iris is not the way to get away from this shit That's like running right into what's going to be the shit coin of fire now let's get into Europe's spot Bitcoin ETF because it is set to debut amidst growing interest in the United States. This is Bitcoin Magazine. BTC Casey is writing, Europe is on the verge of witnessing the launch of its first spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. The long awaited debut of the European spot Bitcoin ETF comes after a significant delay, which has only intensified the anticipation surrounding its arrival. Coinciding with this news, the United States is also experiencing a surge of interest in a similar product, kicking off with the filing by BlackRock for an American spot Bitcoin ETF. Jacoby Asset Management is responsible for the ETF listing, which was actually approved back in 2021. Due to market conditions in 2022, the ETF was delayed. Although there's no official launch date yet, the development comes at an opportune time. The ETF is designed to provide investors with an opportunity to gain exposure to Bitcoin without directly owning the underlying asset, albeit at the costs of properties only offered by self-custody. By offering a regulated and easily accessible investment vehicle, the Spot Bitcoin ETF has the potential to attract a broader range of institutional investors. The delay in launching the European Spot Bitcoin ETF had only heightened market expectations. Investors have been eagerly awaiting a regulatory green light that would enable them to tap into the Bitcoin market with the convenience and security of an ETF structure. Now, with the imminent arrival of Europe's first spot Bitcoin ETF, many believe that it could herald a new era for Bitcoin in the region. Simultaneously, the United States has witnessed a surge of interest in a spot Bitcoin ETF following BlackRock's recent filing. As one of the world's largest asset management firms, BlackRock's entry signals a significant shift in sentiment towards Bitcoin. Indeed, several other similarly large firms filed spot Bitcoin ETFs afterwards. The filing indicates that even established traditional financial institutions are recognizing the growing demand for regulated exposure to Bitcoin. If approved, a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States could potentially provide a significant boost to the market attracting institutional investors and further bringing Bitcoin mainstream. All right, so I had totally forgotten about the European spot Bitcoin ETF, which was in fact delayed because, you know, FTX and Celsius and Terra Luna all caught on fire almost simultaneously. And therefore, yeah, they were going to delay that little puppy dog. But now that BlackRock is back in the game, (laughs) they're going to release that thing. Now, will the release of a spot Bitcoin ETF in Europe have major impact? Probably, but will it be overshadowed by a an approval of a BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF? Absolutely. It won't hold a candle. However, with a European spot Bitcoin ETF and a United States spot Bitcoin ETF, you know, brought in by a, you know, BlackRock that has like between 9 and 10 trillion dollars under management uh yeah yeah it's it's gonna it's it's going to ignite fires on it, basically in the west is what this is going to do what will it do to the bitcoin price i don't know i don't know i'm not a fan of of any type of derivative product and any kind of and i classify anything as a derivative if you do not hold the underlying asset yourself in a permissionless way a permissionless, censorship-resistant way. That means a hardware wallet like the cold card, right? So no matter what happens here, in my opinion, these are all just nothing but derivatives because if you're not holding the underlying asset, it's not your Bitcoin. You're just exposed to the price, but that doesn't really do anything for you. It would, like if you, okay, you you got exposure to the price through a a BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF. You don't hold the Bitcoin itself. You've got a what is essentially a a price IOU from BlackRock. The price goes to the moon, and somehow or another, you're able to punch out all you're ever going to get is fiat. That's it. So just understand that. Just because you get a spot Bitcoin ETF does not mean that you have the actual Bitcoin You don't, and you won't. That's the nature of this particular product. So just please get that clear in your head. The fact that a spot Bitcoin ETF may come to the United States 100% means that you will not own that asset. Now, It might be available in your 401k, but it will still just be a price exposure. It won't be the actual asset. But it is the only way that 401ks and other large investment houses and institutions will be able to gain any kind of exposure to Bitcoin itself. But again, those institutions have to use a third-party custody. The custodyship of the Bitcoin ETF or the, of the Bitcoin in any spot Bitcoin ETF will be held by the people that started the ETF. They'll sell shares of that thing to your your 401k or whatever. But they ultimately hold the Bitcoin themselves. And we have yet to see any language whatsoever as to how they're going to prove that they actually hold that Bitcoin and they're not rehypothecating. Not a single word's been said about auditability here. Now we know how to audit, but when they're holding it on their books and they don't release their wallet information we know literally nothing and even if they do say well here's a here's a wallet address that you can look at is that the only wallet that they have what else is on their books it's i i want more clarity into how they're going to prove that the bitcoin they say they own is actually indeed owned now it's time to run the numbers West Texas Earl is down just over two points to seventy five dollars and thirty four cents a barrel. Brent North sea likewise down almost two points to seventy nine dollars and eighty two cents Natural gas is down one point nine three percent and gasoline is down one point one two percent two dollars and sixty four cents a gallon at the pump if you can find one gold is down scant nineteen sixty three and ten cents. Silver is up almost a point. Platinum is up 0.11%. Copper, no, what? Yeah, copper is up. No, actually it just turned down 0.3% to the downside. Palladium is down 1.73%. Looks like ag is doing pretty good today. Lumber is unchanged. Wheat is the, mm, yeah, well, no. Cocoa is the biggest winner. 2.5% to the upside. Most of the other things in the green. Uh, Biggest loser today is soybeans down half a point. I got live cattle up 1.17%, lean hogs down a quarter and feeder cattle up just over a half. The Dow is up a quarter of a point. The S&P is down 0.04%. NASDAQ is up almost a quarter of a point and the S&P mini is down just over one full point. Real money chilling out at $31,124.71. That's after almost half a million Bitcoin have been sent. No, sorry. Yes, I got that right. Sorry, and had a procedure done yesterday. Anesthesia is still chilling out in my head. Uh, for half a million BTCs sent in the last 24 hours. Average transaction value is 1.05 BTC. Median transaction value is 101 bucks, uh, 0.0036 BTC. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 45 seconds. We have 0.18 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 24 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Uh, Dogecoin is, God, see, this is what I'm talking about. Dogecoin is 7.1 United States pennies. Why? Because Ripple. That's why. Because freaking Ripple. I'm just saying. Um, Get ready for the alt season. And don't get duped into it, okay? $600.6 billion of market capitalization is 4.61% of gold's market cap. You may purchase uh, 15.9 ounces with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,429,055.6 of. And uh, wow, we've lost a lot out of the uh, Lightning Network. We're down to 4,863.7 BTC. Uh, that is $150.4 million capacity value being run over 16,324 nodes, uh, sporting t- 69,263 payment channels, and 71.1% of all that's being run over Tor. I haven't seen it in the 70s in quite a while. There are 11,801 Tor nodes that we know about. And uh, let's see, is that it for that one? Yeah, let's get into the mempool part of this. We got a. 130 blocks carrying 244,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Got a high priority value uh, uh, tra- transaction cost of 20 satoshis per V-byte. Low priority is 15 and anything under 3.1 satoshis per V-byte is being purged from normal mempools. Um, I'm still in the top 10 thanks to you, Pitar. 2,222 sats, that's a row. A duck says coffee ordered. Will report back my product review. So Pitar actually bought some coffee from Good Beans, which I, you know, didn't actually ask them if they wanted to be in the Circle P, but I keep hearing good things about Good Beans, so I thought I'd throw them in there and see if I could get them some some action. It looks like I did. User with a shit ton of numbers, 1234sat says, I can't copy and paste the pub key from show notes while in Fountain iOS app. Yeah, I know, dude. This will definitely reduce uh, any user patronizing your affiliate links. Please add me on Noster and then he gives me the inpub. Thanks, great show. Still trying to buy from Circle P. See, it's I know that the friction level can be high around the Bitcoin and podcast, and while I apologize for that, right now I'm not in a position to change that. You know, it's like I just don't I I don't have I just don't have the capacity to set up a a website and do all the things that need to be done because this is a one man show. There's only so much, so many things that one guy can do. Um, And if I, if I already knew how to do all this stuff, like the back of my hand, it'd be a different story, but I don't know how to do it like the back of my hand. And I can't hire somebody to do it because money's tight and that's just the way it is. So, The friction will continue until I figure some other shit out. Pies with 100 Satoshi says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Uh, For those of you who were wondering, I had to go into uh, surgery yesterday and surgery doesn't ne- always mean that you're getting cut open and stuff like that but basically any time that you're put under anesthesia for any procedure whatsoever they call it surgery. This one was to capture a uh piece of food that was caught in my esophagus and that happens every once in a while but everything went fine for those of you who were who you know who wished me well on Noster uh yesterday. Thank you for the uh for the good Procedure karma that I received and all the well wishing that went on after I said that I was out and everything was fine. Um, really, you think about it, when you got a bunch of people that you've never met in real life that's like pulling for you, man. That 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 means a lot. So thank you everybody for uh for all of that. Now Bitcoin Magazine BTC Casey Spark announces completion. Of Georgia expansion and now is surpassing eight ex- exahashes per second in mining. CleanSpark Incorporated has announced the completion of phase two of its mining campus expansion in Washington, Georgia. The expansion is expected to increase CleanSpark's Bitcoin mining compute power by 1.8 exahashes per second to a total of 8.5. The company has set lofty goals of reaching a target of 16 exahashes per second by the end of the year. The Washington campus has a power capacity of 50 megawatts and currently operates over 10,500 mining machines with a total investment of over $100 million. Zach Bradford, CEO of CleanSpark, expressed his appreciation for the successful execution of the expansion, highlighting the technical expertise and support from the local community. And he stated, quote, This expansion has already helped us get more than halfway to our year-end guidance of 16 exahashes per second. CleanSpark has been actively pursuing growth opportunities, particularly during the recent bear cycle. Yeah, because, you know, that's when you build. Last month, the company acquired a turnkey Bitcoin mining campus in Dalton, Georgia, consisting of two sites for $9.3 million in addition to that. In the same month, the company announced the acquisition of more than 12,000 cutting-edge mining machines. The expansion in Washington, Georgia, has marked another milestone for CleanSpark as it continues to increase its Bitcoin mining capacity. So, again, it's just we're we're still not going to stop, even in the face of the oncoming alt season. And as usual, the predictors of BTC dominance going down. Honestly, I thought we were kind of over that, but. It's a narrative that the people that really want to get rich holding a bag of shit use to make, you know, actual real money look bad. I'm telling you, man, the world is populated by some very evil, evil sons of bitches. The problem is, I don't think that they know that they're evil, but alt season is upon us. Be aware. Thank God for people like Clean Spark who are actually still building. Uh, out the Bitcoin infrastructure so that uh, we all understand what really has value here. Argentina, over to, you know, south uh, to uh, Latin America here. Argentina's first Bitcoin futures contract officially goes live. And I'm not excited about futures, but it is what it is. Coindesk, Andre Engler. Argentina's first Bitcoin index-based futures contract went live on Thursday, giving qualified investors exposure to crypto in a manner regulated by the local authority. The product is based on a Bitcoin index powered by Matba Rofex, the Argentinian stock exchange that published the contract's regulations and trading guide in a statement released on Thursday. In April... The country's National Securities Commission authorized the launch of the contract, arguing that it wanted to promote the development of new and innovative products by its regulated entities in the capital markets. It is the first crypto product approved by the CNV so far. Matba Rofex added that at first, the product will be traded only by qualified investors as defined by the CNV, and therefore, the intervening agents will be responsible for the verification of that requirement. Among the warnings about the product, Matba Rofek said that fluctuating prices of crypto assets can result in significant financial losses for users. Yeah, that's just a cover your ass statement. While it also clarified that the CNV does not have control over the providers of prices for the Bitcoin index. So Argentina jumping in, except that they're jumping in uh, late to the game on futures. There's so many futures Products out there is just not even funny, but this will be Argentina's first Now, on to going north from Latin America up into Texas, the Texas Blockchain Council director has announced a run for State House. Turner Wright, Coin Telegraph tells us about this one. Stephen Kennard, Director of Bitcoin Mining Analytics at the Texas Blockchain Council. A crypto advocacy group has announced that he will run for a seat in the Texas House of Representatives. In a July 11th announcement, Kennard said he planned to seek the Republican Party nomination for Texas House District 70 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where he has or where he would serve a two-year term starting in 2025 if elected. The candidate has worked at the Texas Blockchain Council since March of 2022 following roughly three years at BOK Financial. Kennard said he planned to push for digital freedom as well as advocate for strategic technology investments in his campaign. Should he win uh, the Republican primary for the district, he will likely face off against incumbent Democratic Representative Michaela Police, who has been serving in Texas, uh, the Texas House since 2023. The candidate criticized the Federal Reserve for recklessly attempting to launch a central bank digital currency, a statement echoed by some other Republican lawmakers, including Florida governor and 2024 presidential candidate Ron DeSantis. According to Kennard's campaign website, he planned to resist and stop any research into CBDCs. Texas, as well as the capital city of Austin in particular, has been a major source of cryptocurrency mining activity for the ecosystem, a situation that only improved following the exodus of many miners from China. Though a bill aimed at limiting incentives for crypto miners passed the Texas State Senate in April, the government also voted in favor of adding crypto to the state's Bill of Rights, and Governor Greg Abbott has referred to himself as a crypto law proposal supporter. (laughs) Okay, man. Primaries for the 2024 elections in the United States are approaching in the coming months. With crypto and blockchain a major issue for many voters, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong has called on crypto users, oh, for God's sakes, to elect pro-crypto candidates in all 435 U.S. congressional districts as lawmakers put forward proposals on legislation to regulate digital assets. Of course he would. That's his general lobby stance because he wants as many crypto assets to sell you at high fees so that you can do what? Lose all of your money. Don't do it. Okay, now this one, Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. And this is going to be definitely a shorter show. My uh, throat is really sore, you know, because having a tube shoved down, it doesn't really help your throat feel anything but fucking sore. Anyway, yeah, I know. I'm going to get a lot of shit for saying that, but whatever. (laughs) BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. What is the Lightning HTTP 402 protocol and why is it important? So listen up because this is coming on strong. Lightning HTTP 402, also known as L402, is a way to charge for services and authenticate users in distributed networks. It combines two powerful tools. Macaroons and, of course, the Lightning Network. Macaroons are special tokens used for authentication. They include permissions and can be verified using a root key. The documentation states this is important for systems where we want to avoid or cannot go about looking up the validity of each token. Lightning is a Layer 2 solution. We know that. L402 leverages the capabilities of Macaroons and Lightning to create a mechanism that allows users to authenticate and make payments without needing a central database. L402, a macaroon, includes a payment hash. To be valid, the user needs to present the macaroon and the pre-image corresponding to the payment hash in the macaroon. The pre-image is obtained by paying a Lightning Network invoice. A newly introduced software called Aperture acts as a middleman between the user and the service's API, It forwards requests with valid L402 to the relevant API endpoint and can issue new macaroons and lightning invoices to new users. L402 allows for metered APIs where services can charge for their usage without requiring logins or passcodes. The macaroon, together with the pre-image, guarantees that the payer has made the payment. The 402 specification includes different characteristics such as the version of the macaroon, a unique user identifier and a payment hash that links the Macaroon to the lightning invoice. The Macaroon can include caveats that define access to specific services, service capabilities, and service constraints. The verifying, Oh, sorry. When verifying the L402, the server uses the root key to check that the Macaroon was issued by the appropriate, appropriate authority and that each caveat was properly amended The pre-image is also verified against the payment hash to ensure that all outstanding invoices have been paid. In summary, L402 is a protocol that combines macaroons and the Lightning Network to enable charging for services and authenticating users. It allows for secure payments and authentication without relying on a central database. Aperture is a software that helps handle the processes and allows services to issue macaroons and Lightning Network invoices. So what does this mean? Let me give you an example. I like using a very expensive piece of uh, software known as Houdini. Uh, It's a 3D animation and 3D modeling package that does all kinds of other stuff. It is a very expensive seat license and I don't use it all the time. Sometimes I decide to get, you know, I get a hair up my ass and I decide that I want to, you know, play around with it and make, you know, make a couple of visualizations and I do things like that. But I don't do it often enough to, you know, give them the amount of money that they want for a full seat license. If they were to implement L402, I would be able to have a license that is only viable when I'm using their software and I would be paying for that license in real time while using that software. Via the L402 protocol, all they have to do is take this protocol, wrap it into their API, and then when I go and use my, uh, open up the software package on my computer, the first thing that it does is it goes and reaches out for a for the, basically in this case it would be the it would say hey, here's the user, here's my macaroon, here's a lightning invoice. I want to pay while I'm using and then when I shut the thing down, I've only maybe, you know, like if I used it for a day, I give them, I don't know, 50 bucks or something like that, however much they want to, you know, charge me for it. But that way I'm not in a seat license and I've talked about this a long time ago, but this seems to be the actual mechanism by which it would make the idea that I've had for years actually work. And this would go for any website, this would go for any streaming service, whether audio, video, high definition, low definition, any website that charges a subscription. It This is the way that New York Times, without putting up just a general lightning invoice as a paywall, would be able to have a different subscription model, a subscription model that I only want to read what I pay for. I don't want your monthly subscription. I just want to read this one article. And this would be a way for me to be a member of New York Times if I wanted to be, but still only a pay-as-you-go situation. That's the way that I'm reading it, and it's very important that this technology starts getting more widespread. Now, finally, (coughs) actors cry foul and approve a strike. As AI fears bring Hollywood to a complete standstill, decrypt, Jason Nelson is writing, After talks between the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, the SAG-AFTRA, and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers broke down on Wednesday. Members of the Actors Guild today authorized a strike that will begin at midnight. Striking actors will join their counterparts in the Writers Guild of America in pushing back against film and TV studios over a number of issues, including the potential use of generative artificial intelligence tools in the creative process. Hollywood is now bracing for a shutdown of the likes that hasn't been seen since actors walked off the set back in 1980. Quote, the eyes of the world and particularly the eyes of labor are upon us. Actress Fran Drescher, the president of SAG-AFTRA, said at a Thursday news conference, according to New York Times. Quote, what happens to us is important, she continued. What's happening to us is happening across all fields of labor. When employers make Wall Street and greed their priority and they forget about the essential contributions who make the machine run, we have a problem. Before agreeing to a media blackout before negotiations started back in June, SAG-AFTRA National Executive Director and Chief Negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland, told Decrypt that AI with its potential benefits and harm alike to members is a topic that SAG-AFTRA is very focused on. Earlier this week, SAG-AFTRA members voted 98% in favor of authorizing a strike before negotiations even began. While generative AI took off in mainstream popularity after the launch of OpenAI's chat GPT in November, the novelty quickly turned to concern as the realization of what the rapid advancement in AI could mean for several industries, Including entertainment. Artificial intelligence, SAG AFTRA said, poses an existential threat to actors and performers, one that the studios allegedly refuse to meaningfully acknowledge. Some actors are concerned that AI technology will be used to replicate performances without their consent or create additional content without compensation to match. SAG AFTRA is not adverse to technology. But at the same time, what's very important to actors like myself is our likenesses and our voice. Former board member and voice actor Justin Shenikrau told Decrypt in an interview. Of all the issues SAG-AFTRA members are concerned with, Shinna Krause said the potential of an AI takeover in Hollywood would drive sag After members to the picket lines, and it appears that he was right. Quote, this is a fight for our lives, Shinna Krause said. AI should be used as a tool, not as a way to replace us. What do you think tools do? But nobody's going to, I'm just pausing to say, nobody's going to really be able to replace a good actor. Right, because that performance you can't replicate no matter how much. For movies like Marvel, where you're not worried about the performance, then yeah, those guys should probably be concerned. But like really good movies from really good directors with a star with a very well trained cast, AI is not going to be able to compete against that. Marvel, however, will they will be it will be things like Marvel movies that will pick this shit up and screw actors out of it, but I'm not all that concerned. Shena Crowell, who served on the screen actors guild board from 2005 to 2010, said the negotiations mirror those of when DVDs and streaming were emerging technologies quote, in both cases, the studio said, this is a new technology and we don't know if we'll be able to make any money from it. So you're just going to have to trust us that if we do make money from it, we'll compensate you when it comes. <laughs> of course, What happens is once somebody starts making money, they never want to dip into their honeypot to give it to you. Chernikov should know, having spent over 30 years in the entertainment industry and featuring in projects like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Spidey and His Amazing Friends, Hey Arnold, and Eerie Indiana. In 2022, he co-founded the animation company 3.0 Studios, also known as T-Zero Studios. For some actors, allowing AI to make digital copies of themselves is a matter of getting paid or not getting paid. It's a tale of two cities. We can either say no and they're gonna bring another actor in. They're going to make that money, SAG After member Derek Andretti told Decrypt outside Warner Brothers Studios, or I can say yes to it, knowing that they're going to use my image in perpetuity, he added, calling the studios scoundrels in a press conference on Thursday. Crabtree, Ireland, detailed one of the groundbreaking proposals that AMPTP offered SAG-AFTRA negotiators. He said that the proposal would see background actors digitized and used perpetually without further consent or compensation, but it appears... That such proposals have already affected some actors. And Dreddy told Decrypt that on a recent job, he was photographed from every angle using several small cameras to create a digital twin for future use. Quote, they digitized me and now they can use me in any future movie background as they wish. And they paid me one fee. I don't think that's fair, and I don't think that my union thinks it's fair. Well, then you shouldn't have done it, Andrani. Shrenkow, or however you pronounce his name, hopes that a contract that protects SAG after members from studios using their images and voices without compensation would also help protect them in other instances, including when AI is used by people on the Internet to create convincing deep fake content that uses an actor's likeness without permission Yeah, read that as pornography. Quote, if you're going to use my voice without my permission, you're infringing on me. It would be a battle, but I think it's very important that SAG-AFTRA fights for this so that not only am I protected within union jobs, but potentially some nefarious characters using my voice without my permission. All right, so they got a point they really do they got a point i mean you shouldn't be able to just use somebody's likeness without their permission and if they do give you permission they certainly should be compensated in royalty form for anything that goes on after their you know after their likeness is actually used so i get their point some of these things they're going to win other things like in the case of marvel studios they're not the actors at this point are going to have to figure out where to pick their battles and their battles are going to lie. Do I go and take this contract from Marvel studios for the next, you know, I don't know, 18 Batman movies, or do I hone my acting skills and go work with really great directors that are not doing this? Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows how this is going to, you know, roll out. But one thing that I do know is that copyright law is pretty, it's, I think it's, it's longstanding. It's well known how it works. And I don't see how you get around. Well, because AI, I can take a picture of this dude that I don't know and just start using him in my videos and not pay him a single cent. That's going to end up. I, I I get the feeling that copyright is going to be expressly applicable to your voice, your likeness. I, I just, I don't honestly see a problem, but, you know how things go in the world. So, we're, again, we'll have to wait and see. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. Dad Says Joke, sending you out into the weekend. Dear Diet Diary, day one. I removed all of the fattening foods from the house. It was delicious. Moral of the story is eat fat fattening foods. You want animal fat though. You don't want any of that. You know, I don't know, whatever the fake fats are, get rid of those, pour those down the drain, stick with animal fat and you can't go wrong, but you humans need fat, but we need animal fat. So canola oil, ditch it. Vegetable oil, get rid of it. Corn oil, don't even touch it. Peanut oil. ugh. if you can get away from it, you know, do it. Um, if you're looking for a frying fat that is animal-based, go to the grocery, grocery store, go to the Ethnics Food session, section, find Mexican foods, look on the bottom, bottom shelf. You'll find a green and white box that says Manteca. It's lard. It's just a cube of lard. Pure pork fat. Use that.